Welcome to episode one of the HP Core Learning Collaborative podcast series. This series will explore the importance of engaging older adults in the design of research, some common pitfalls, strategies for success, and funding opportunities. Our podcast hosts, Sophia and Taylor, will interview a variety of experts in their pursuit as students to learn more about engaged research. Today, we will speak to the architects of the Learning Collaborative to discuss how their project intends to increase the readiness of researchers and students to engage older adults in their research design. Welcome to the Aging PCOR Learning Collaborative podcast series. My name is Sophia Weber, and I'm a senior at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I'm studying something called community and environmental sociology. I also have certificates in global health and gender and women's studies and food systems. And what that means for me is I'm just really interested in what community health looks like from a bunch of different lenses across different communities. Uh, Hey there, listeners. My name is Taylor Gray, and I'll be one of the co-hosts along with Sophia for this podcast. Uh, To tell you a little bit about myself, I was born and raised in the state of Alabama. I earned my undergraduate degree in psychology from Troy University and completed a master's in criminology at the University of Alabama. I'm currently in my second year of my PhD program. Uh, I'm studying gerontology at the University of Massachusetts, Boston. Uh, Sophia and I serve as student advisors on the project management team of the PCOR Learning Collaborative, which don't worry, you'll learn more about that soon. Uh, Essentially, as student advisors on this project, Sophia and I uh, serve as the student voice throughout every step of the project. So I've been interested in stakeholder engagement for a while. You know, that's how I ended up in this role here with Taylor. Um, But it's always just been something that's not as concrete as I would like it to be. You know, outside of being in this project, stakeholder engagement is something I've heard mentioned in classes. Maybe it was tacked on as an extra credit um, study option in my research method courses. And that didn't make a lot of sense to me because I'm not really interested in doing research if I'm not collaborating with the communities I'm doing research on. Um, So I'm lucky that I ended up here. Sophia, don't feel bad about not knowing anything about stakeholder engagement. I'm starting my eighth year of college. And to this point, I've never heard about it until I started working on this project. Uh, I'm interested in it because eventually I have to write a dissertation that's coming up soon. And I also hope to one day be a professor. So I would love to learn these methods and master them to help my work stand out and to be able to appropriately teach students in the future. Just to tell you a little bit about what this podcast is going to cover and our mission here, uh, we're going to talk to different experts, including funders, researchers, and older adults. And we want to learn what it's like to actually do engaged research. Um, So... We're hoping that this podcast will guide current and future researchers like ourselves in the pursuit of stakeholder engagement. Now, this podcast is just one part of the Aging PCOR Learning Collaborative where Taylor and I, as well as other researchers and older adults and students alike, are going to go to find engagement resources. Uh, Today, we're lucky enough to speak with Dr. Mark Cohen and Dr. Aaron McGaffigan, who are the co-principal investigators leading this project. They're going to expand on what our project is and what it hopes to accomplish. And along the way, we'll try to break down exactly what Aging PCOR is. Dr. Cohen and Dr. McGaffigan, thank you so much for finding time in your busy schedules to meet with us today. Would you mind telling the listeners a bit about yourselves? 
Sure. Thank you, Taylor and Sophia. Well, first of all, I have to say how excited I am to hear about your background and interest in this area. It just, it gives me a lot of, a lot of hope for the future. So thank you. Um, my name is Erin McGaffigan and I run a small business, a uh, women-owned small business called Collective Insight. We focus specifically primarily on effective stakeholder engagement and uh, research and policy. And I am also a um, research and policy fellow at the Leading Age LTSS Center at UMass Boston, where I work directly with Mark Cohen on this project and other projects to bring the older adult voice to the research table. Mark, what about Thank you? So much, uh, Aaron and, and uh, Sophia and Taylor. It's so great to be here. Um, my name is Mark Cohen, and I am a professor in the gerontology department at UMass Boston. I am also, as uh, Aaron mentioned, the co-director of the Leading Age LTSS Center at UMass Boston. Um, an additional hat that I wear is I am also a research director at the Center for uh, Consumer Engagement in Health Innovation at Community Catalyst, which is a healthcare national healthcare advocacy organization. And uh, this project um, really cuts across a lot of uh, different disciplines. And so I'm excited that we're going to have this uh, discussion today to educate folks a little bit about what we're trying to do and accomplish and why we think it's important. Uh, thank you, guys. This is an awesome way to start out. Um, so we kind of just we wanted to bring it to the basics. Um, so the project that this podcast is a part of is the Aging P-Core Learning Collaborative. And that project is funded by the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, which is also known as PCORI. So could you guys just start by telling Taylor and I, as well as all of our listeners, a little bit more about PCORI and what that means for the mission of our project overall? Well, I can start, Mark, if that's okay. Sure. So PCORI is an independent, nonprofit, non-government organization housed in D.C. It was authorized by Congress in 2010. It really fund studies that help people, patients, and those that care for them to um, make informed decisions about healthcare. So really what their focus is, is to include patients and stakeholders throughout the research in um, different types of research. Um, and so I, I think that's a good kind of high-level overview. Mark, do you have anything to add? No, I, other, uh, I think I just want to reiterate um, what was implied in that description, which is that the, the organization is dedicated to the proposition that actually talking and listening uh, to patients and bringing them into the research enterprise will improve the overall quality of the research. And I think that is what their mission is. That's what we're trying to accomplish um, with this project. Um, you think about the research uh, that, that people like, like myself and others often do, um, we look at uh, some of the, for example, if we're studying elders or whatever, we, we look at them as subjects, but not necessarily as partners um, in our research who help us determine really what is important to study, how we should study it, and so on. And so our project in PCORI is really designed to elevate the research enterprise to it, it account for engaged research bringing this, what are formerly the subjects of research as partners into the research enterprise. And so you have to ask yourself, if you're not including voice, 
of those people that you're trying, that you're studying with an eye toward improving their health outcomes. If they're not at the center of that, it's very difficult to accomplish a lot of the goals of person, person-centered care. And so there's a real need to build up this capacity among researchers, uh, funders, academic institutions, um, so that we can bring the voice in and assure that what we're trying to accomplish, especially in our health and support system, is actually meeting the needs of these folks. Yeah. And researchers aren't alone there, right, Mark? I think, it, you know, researchers struggle with conducting research that is person-centered because we struggle to develop programs that are also person-centered. So this, this, this is, you know, this is a problem not only for researchers, but also across the design and implementation of programs of clinical staff, case managers, a lot of people. So what we're, we're feeling it on both sides and what we're trying to do is help researchers to really think that through in their research designs. And, and actually part of the reason why we, we know that, that researchers need help is because there are certain assumptions that we make and we have certain implicit biases. Um, that makes, uh, you know, that makes it sometimes difficult to present an obstacle for people taking the time to engage older adults. I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, people of, people of color, regardless of their age, are, are often left out of the research, re, uh, research process. Researchers often uh, underestimate the ability of older adults, uh, both the, the willingness and the ability of older adults adults to participate uh, in research. And so if, if you're consistently leaving out those voices, it means it's really hard to apply a lot of the learnings consistently across, across the population. I mean, there was one statistic uh, I recall early on that we, we, we talked about was that um, like African-Americans and Latinos make up 30% of the U.S. population, but comprise less than 10% of uh, genetic research participants. So that's just one small I- example of what can happen when you leave out those types of population. I think that that makes a lot of sense. If we want to create a person-centered system, we probably need to talk to the person involved. And I, I'm also hearing from you that people probably would want to do this But when they don't even know that it's an option or people don't realize that they're leaving everybody out or they're really not not sure where to start, even though it makes a ton of sense. So I think you've given a couple reasons thus far. But, you know, as someone interested in jumping into doing this, I'd love to like systematically break down why isn't engagement more common? What are the barriers? What are the common mistakes we're making when we want to initiate this? Well, I'll I'll. I'll start off and let Aaron pick up. As I, as I said, you know, researchers underestimate the ability of older adults often. Um, and then, you know, there's an assumption that people who may be functionally impaired, for example, or even have some mild cognitive impairment, um, are not able to contribute. And that's simply not, not true. Uh, it may require a different approach. Um, may require a little bit uh, more effort, but it's an, it's an assumption that is, is simply not, not true at all. And the last point I'll make, and I'll, I'll turn it to Aaron, is that um, the fact is colleges and universities really do not teach 
about engagement. If you look at gerontology program, curricula, and so on, you really have to dig deep to find anything on the advantages um, of stakeholder-engaged research, uh, what is necessary to make it successful, and so on. But Aaron, go ahead if you want to add, add some additional thinking about that. Yeah, I, I think those are right. And I think that that latter point is very important. If we're not teaching it um, in colleges and universities, people are not becoming familiar with it. It's not an easy concept to just take up and do. I mean, it takes knowledge of, of, of you know, facilitation and decision-making strategies that are collaborative and not one that you do as a sole researcher. So if we're not teaching these things, in colleges and universities or prioritizing it. And then we're expecting people to just know how to do it. Um, I mean, Taylor, you said eight years uh, without actually, you know, experiencing this conversation. Yeah. That's a long time. And so I think, you know, as somebody that's been doing engaged research and policy for quite a bit, I, I've, I've realized it, it's a skill set in that you really need to help people one, understand the benefits of it because it's a lot of work. Um, it, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of resources. And if you don't see the benefits right away of it, why would anybody spend the time and resources doing it? So understanding the time, I mean, the benefits um, and what you actually get out of it, which I know I, I'm, I'm assuming this podcast will get quite a bit. Um, but then also providing the skills and the training and the, and, and the knowledge set to, to be able to help um, researchers do it. And I, like colleges and universities, I, funders, I mean, really, we're all in some ways driven by our funding sources. And if funders, if schools and, you know, are not able or have the um, prioritization of engaged research, funders are not either. And if our research funders are not requiring engaged research methods, if they are not allowing us to use budgets to allocate funding to engage stakeholders, then it's not really going to happen. So I would, I would say that those are a few things that are kind of getting in the way. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to back up a little bit and I know obviously the two of you find this topic of patient-centered outcomes research important, and that's why you're doing the project. But could you maybe back up and tell us about how you two met and decided to start this project? So, geez, we did a video series and then that le led to the virtual, which wasn't virtual until COVID, but the Sages Symposium where, where we just spent a, a year plus really trying to educate researchers on this opportunity. Um, and from that came us really recognizing that more um, time and energy needs to be dedicated to shifting the paradigm. And when I say that, I mean really recognizing that us as researchers, to your points, guys, that we don't really even know what this means. We don't understand the benefits of it and we don't understand how to do it. So let's take some time. Yes, older adults are coming to the table, but they're not coming to the table to see anybody. They're sitting there waiting for the researchers. So let's spend some time and some partnerships and, and work with the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute to go ahead and develop this learning collaborative. Beautiful. Exactly. I wouldn't add a word. That was uh, exactly right. Um, I, I had the opportunity to watch some of that Sages Symposium, and I, I can definitely agree with what you're saying. Hearing the older adults who have been engaged in projects speak like they are here and they want to work with us and 
it just makes me like more excited for this project where we're really going to like buckle down and get people the opportunities um, to engage with each other, which I think is why this project is big and multifaceted and sometimes confusing when you're just trying to explain it right on the spot. So maybe if you could tell us more about what all the pieces of the Aging Core Learning Collaborative is, you know, how do they come together in the end? You know, so, Sophia, let me, before jumping into that, I, um, I so liked what Aaron, Aaron described. I want to, I want to try and distill it down to its, its true essence. And the essence of what we're trying to do in this project, which builds off those other ones, is shift the thinking. Uh, among aging focused researchers so that aging research priorities, methods, and dissemination, all of those are driven by the knowledge and experience of the most impacted people, meaning older adults. And that's what everything flows from that high level mission. Sorry for, in, for uh, getting us off track, but I wanted to to make that point before moving on to uh, into some of the finer points of the project. So uh, go ahead, Aaron, I'll let you, yeah. I'll, I'll let you take that. So to actually shift that thinking, uh, we really are hitting it on a few different fronts. One is really just trying to build a community, right? So we're building a social media community to share our lessons learned, training and resources. Um, we actually are working through this group called Mighty Network, where it it's like a, a Facebook, but it's project based. Um, and, you know, what we did is go ahead and work, brought everybody from our symposium events to our to our research partners, to our um, to our funding partners onto this Mighty Network. Um, to share resources and to try to connect with older adults. And then we are working on just general training and awareness and education. So we're doing that through short videos um, in this podcast series. Um, we are engaging uh, research funders in general discussions and webinars or brown bag sessions about what is engaged research and you know how can we put engaged research into funding portfolios we're going to be um, piloting in a gerontology program what we would call a self-assessment tool that really just helps gerontology programs to assess their own readiness and in, in, in use of engaged research concepts in their curricula. Um, and then we are looking, um, and I think you guys will find this exciting, to train PhD students um, in engaged research or stakeholder engagement concepts as part of the dissertation work. Um, so a lot of just training and education, what this term we'd call technical assistance, where we would work with individual students and even older adults and researchers to help them um, design engaged research methods in their work. Aaron, I, I heard you mentioned the Aging Research Network. Uh, would you mind expanding on that a little bit for me? Yes. So the Aging Research Network is a what I would call a social media community. Um, it, the Aging Research Network is is housed on the what a platform called Mighty Network, and Mighty Network is a platform that's dedicated specifically to bringing communities together um, through social media for a common mission. What's on there 
is um, all of our videos and, and, and um, resources and tool guides that we've collected over time, some that we've developed, some that our partners developed to help researchers and older adults understand what we mean by engaged research or stakeholder engagement research, help them understand where our funder is, help them understand upcoming events um, that are related to our, um, our work in engaged research and really just give people a platform to ask questions, to get to know other people who are interested, whether it be researchers or older adults or caregivers or even providers or funders. You give them a chance to ask, what is this engaged research concept? What are you trying to do? And can I be a part of it? So imagine this, like, you know, when you want to know about, uh, you want to get prevalence rates for diseases or whatever, you go to the CDC and, and, and it has just a, a wealth of information on particular disease entities, uh, you know, treatments and so on. What we're trying to develop here is, is something akin to that. We want this to be the go-to place where researchers in particular who are interested or want to start to get involved in stakeholder um, engaged research can have just a, a whole breadth of resources available to them. We're trying to, you know, sort of, you know, provide, provide the oil, oil the process, make it easier. Um, to do this. And so, as Aaron said, we, you know, there's the videos, uh, we've got some w webinars that are recorded there and a lot of background information. So this is part of infrastructure building that is necessary for this to scale. Without that, um, it, it's very sort of uh, one-offs happening. You need to have a centralized location that people can go to. And I think currently, so we've had it up for well over a year, maybe even two years at this point. Um, and I think we're upwards of 100, over 150 members. Um, and I would think that this podcast series would be an example of a resource that would be shared um, through that Mighty Network, along with any of our um, opportunities for future training and in, in technical assistance that can be provided. I have to say it's it's definitely growing and if it's exciting to see it grow. <laughs> you know, it, for those that might be listening who are on the network right now, what I do notice is that um, older adults are louder uh, on the network and the researchers on the group are still pretty quiet. And I think that that speaks to the continued paradigm shift that we're trying to push, right? And just a lot of researchers still trust trying to figure this out kind of in the background listening and weeding. And I hope that that mining network and this podcast series really helps to bring people um, out from out from the background and into the foreground. I really love that idea of bringing so many people together and then into the conversation in the network. And I think that that's something you're doing throughout the project. So I would love to hear you describe specifically what kind of engagement initiatives you're using to bring stakeholders into the conversation and into your project and what kind of material development they're contributing to? So I would think the first thing that is the most on my mind because we've been so active in it is the video clips. Um, we're doing a, a series of short video clips about the importance of stakeholder engagement in the design of research. And right now we're really at a point where we're reviewing um, some, some scripts and some formats for the five benefits of engagement in research. Um, you know, this will give you a perfect example of the process that we're going through 
to improve our educational tools. You know, the scripts, the purpose, the focus, all of that is going through our, what I would call advisor structures. So we have um, a learning collaborative steering committee which includes funders and includes researchers from gerontology programs, as well as it includes older adults. That group has helped prioritize these video clips, what we want to cover. It also has gone through our older adult subcommittee, which was created because we had so much interest from older adults in our project. So if you hear people who might say, you know, I don't think to Mark's point earlier, I don't think older adults are interested um, in this type of work, we actually got such a demand for participation in our steering committee that we had to develop an entirely new subcommittee for the older adult voice so we didn't leave anybody out of this project. So that group also um, has provided guidance on these videos. And, you know, we we finished our first, first video, we're moving on to multiple others, and we're, we've really learned through this process the importance of making sure um, People of different um, backgrounds, race, ethnicities are well represented, not just in the video, but at specific points of the video, in different roles in the video. So we really have used the um, the funding from Bacori to really take the time to improve our process for these video clips. It has been really exciting. You know, I know it's, you know, so you think about the videos um, and, and the focus on older adults and participation and so on. Um, and then you've got to move to the researchers, right? And um, what we're trying to do there is really what's happening right in our discussion now, which is researcher-targeted pod- podcasts that um, we need to do some convincing and persuasion that this is worth the effort. So, you know, one, we're thinking of one of our targeted podcasts might be a success story. How uh, what happened to research where uh, it successfully engaged older adults in the design, like the Bureau of Sages project? Um, one of the questions that uh, researchers ask, uh, Aaron alluded to this earlier, has to do with the funding. Like, who funds this stuff? Uh, wh- who is it important to? And it's interesting to note that in a lot of program announcements that are coming out from foundations, there's a requirement of, uh, or more, or I should say more foundations are starting to uh, require that stakeholders be engaged in the research process. Can we just really get a concrete A to B on, you know, how we want to change this, this, uh, this level of engagement that's being taught? A great question. Great question, Taylor. I, I, you know, I do think this project, it was, it was the, advisory group for a our stages symposium the grant before this where one of our steering committee members said hey listen the problem you know is that we don't have a general understanding in our researcher community about uh, engaged research and really where you need to do this change where you're going to see the most change is by engaging research and research universities and colleges you know get them while they're still learning um and that is where you're going to be see the best, the biggest change. So, what we really were hoping to do with this grant, and I think we're well on our way, um, is to work directly with the universities and colleges by engaging them in our steering committee um, to help us understand the challenges that they're facing 
and the solutions to to address those challenges. I think between that, um, the work in the steering uh, committee that we have, but also some brown bag webinars and, and trainings, I think really are a way to help um, move that um, needle quite a bit. I don't know, Mark, do you have other things to add? I'll just reiterate the importance of um, expanding engaged research in funding portfolios and announcements that go out from foundations about research and making sure that stakeholders are engaged in the research. Um, and that means the process of developing research questions, research methods, dissemination. Um, it doesn't mean that they're the subjects. And oftentimes, of course, they are the subjects of the research but that they're partners in the research. Well, our job is, again, to try and smooth that process to present some, some tools and approaches that make this easier and, and, and worthwhile. All right. So we've, we've covered this a little bit, I think, and that's been really helpful. And I, I heard you mention technical assistance, but you know, as someone who's going to graduate in May, I'd love to just get the the rundown, if I want to learn how to do this work, what steps do I take? That's a great question. So as part of our learning collaboratives, um, we are going to be offering what we're calling technical assistance, which is basically a limited amount of hours to individuals and groups that come forth through maybe a small form or application. I think we're looking to have that out in October of 2021, but a small, short application form, electronic form, where they say, hey, um, here's my name, here's where I'm from. I am interested in learning a little bit more about engaged research so I could do it. Um, looking for a little bit of a description of, of what they want to accomplish. For instance, some people might need assistance with their dissertation proposal. Some people might need assistance laying out a budget for a grant proposal. Others might want to know how to start up an advisory board um, for a short-term project. I think we, we really don't have any expectations um, primarily or specifically about what people, what type of help people are looking for. We recognize that um, individuals and groups will be in different places and we really need to just start where they're at. So look out, keep an eye out for um, that application form and really go ahead and complete it and, and put forth your ideas of what you might need help with. We, there, we then are there to help you scope out that type of assistance that you might need and give you an idea of how we can be helpful. Um, in addition to that, we are also um, doing a dissertation um, support group person, for lack of better words, where we really are going to be helping or making ourselves available to individuals like Taylor who want to go ahead and create um, dissertation proposals and implement dissertation projects that um, have engaged research. So in addition to just seeking out some maybe individual short-term technical assistance or training on your own projects, we also, if you're a PhD student, we will be offering soon this opportunity to join a group to just have routine discussions about how to apply engaged research in your projects. That sounds awesome. I'll definitely be signing up for some of that assistance, I'm sure. Um, Dr. McGaffigan and Dr. Cohen, I think we're nearing the end of our podcast. And I know that Sophia and I would like to say thank you so much for taking the time to join us yet again. If you'd like to join the community and be an active participant in our learning collaboration, you can join the Aging Research Network, which we mentioned earlier in this podcast, by typing agingresearch.mn 
agingresearch.co into the URL bar. I'll say that again so you can get it. That is agingresearch.mn.co. And uh, once you go there, you'll be able to sign up for the Aging Research Network and you can start jumping right into collaboration and engagement and see what this is all about. This podcast series is a part of our Aging PCOR Learning Collaborative. Thank you for joining the Aging PCOR podcast series. Subscribe to our podcast to hear from organizations who successfully engaged older adults in their research process and from those older adults who participated. Later in the series, we will talk to research funders about strategies for getting your proposal funded. Stay tuned 